is the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast. I'm Krista Hoke, and we are really glad to have you with us. We hope you'll enjoy our show as we talk about healthy leadership that we believe is best expressed and most effective through influence. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Rick Shields. I'm the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. It's our great hope that you enjoy and benefit from this podcast. If you do, would you please let us know? You can leave a comment on the app you listen to the podcast on or send a note to info@doorways.cc. And feel free to let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic you'd like for us to explore. We'd be happy to hear from you about that. We're pleased for the opportunity to talk for a few minutes with Zach Dyer, who, along with his wife, Elizabeth, and their three school-age kids live near Tulsa. That is, unless they're out traveling somewhere around the world. Elizabeth is a travel consultant who enjoys helping people make their travel dreams come true. You can learn more about how she can assist you by visiting her Facebook page, Travel with Elizabeth, or online at travelwithelizabeth.com. Zach holds ministerial credentials with doorways. Ministry is a call to service and not only a call to preach. Zach has been leaning toward ministry since he was a little boy and assumed he'd become a pastor. As we'll hear in a bit, his ministry today is in helping people prepare for the future. Zach, my friend, thanks for joining us on this podcast. Thank you, Rick. Good to be with you. Hey, you recently opened a new location for your Edward Jones office in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. I had an appointment to come and visit you, but we had one of those rare snowstorms in Oklahoma, and it pretty well shut us down, so I wasn't even able to get there. How do you like the new place? It's great, Rick. We're settling in nicely. Tina, my branch office administrator, and I, things are good. We've got more space. Clients are quick to tell us the parking, getting in and out is easier. So, yeah, it's going well. Hey, there's a video your family has of you as a little guy, I understand, maybe around three years old. I'm not sure that you were preaching per se, but understand you were giving some kind of instructions in necessary life skills. What was going on there? That's a great question. That's much harder to answer. What was going on? And and I'd like to see the video too, because it's been a while. I think the influence of the Lord was already upon me to share the good news. But the good news for me at the time, I think, was along fire safety, you know, electrical safety, don't put forks in the outlet kind of thing. You know, this stuff that I had already heard at least a dozen times as a three-year-old. So that's kind of the good news I had to share that day. Fast forward a little more than a decade, and you were of the opinion at that time that you would likely enter into some role of full-time pastoral ministry. But you also indicated to me that things in your head and your heart didn't quite add up. Explain to me, if you can, explain to us, what was happening at that time? What was that about? It's difficult to explain in just trying to, to assess that. You know, I mean, I can go back to even some of the, the changes you go through from adolescence, of course, of you know, you know, physically you're changing, mentally you're changing. And, and up to those, those teenage years, I mean, most of my experience in life because of mom and dad, they had us a church every time the doors were open and were involved in singing and a variety of things. That's what I knew. And then you kind of asked it in your question too. I just didn't see things adding up. And it seems like it was you know, 16 years old, give or take, when, when my mind just like the desires in my heart, the feelings I felt I should have to ultimately know, yes, that's the direction for me. Those things just didn't seem to quite be there like I thought they needed to be. And so what was 
perhaps just as difficult then was getting to 16 years old, coming to realize I'm, there may be a different path for me. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, from three, clearly to 16 years old, this is all I ever thought about. Now, what do I do? And so that was uh, some trial and error, some challenges, some difficulties there. Ultimately, naturally, things worked out. But just trying to wade through, and it's definitely, I can look back and say, you know, to this point, especially God had his hand in it the, the entire time, you know, and it knew where my path was, but I needed to experience some of that discovery myself. So it was interesting, but it was certainly good in my journey. Was there a moment when you said, no, I don't think that's where I'm going? An exact moment, no. But I think it boils down to, especially when you're talking about ministry, there's, it's a hard thing. You know, when it's all said and done, God is going to reveal himself in your heart. You're going to know at some point. And, you know, that just wasn't there. Rick, one of the things I love about what you're doing is, you know, at that time, for example, you go to, let's say, church camp or something. And what was common in a small church, especially like I did, was, you know, folks would kids would get up and share their experience. But there was a particular highlighting, though, of those kids who were and I'm, I'm going to use some some quotations here, called to ministry. So you know, naturally, and, I, and I'm being a little sarcastic, so forgive me, naturally you know, a kid or two would come back and say, I'm called to be a missionary to Africa. It's always Africa too, by the way. It's oh, not yeah. always Cambodia Africa. or Asia. It's, a, it's Africa. That's the most godless country, I guess, you know, whatever. But you know, that, that or I'm called to be a pastor or whatever else. And they would get the, the attention. What sure would have been helpful to me, though, was earlier on, you know, high school and whatever, where someone said, you know what, the look and feel of ministry, it may not actually be within the context of a church. That would have gone a long way yeah. for me because it, knowing some of those kids in that youth group, you know, there, there's not a ranking of sainthood in there. I mean, I knew their hearts and there was no less a destiny, a destination, I should say, of ministry for myself as it was for them who, by the way, none of them wound up going into ministry. It was just, you know, they got caught up in the the wonderful experience that they had of church camp. So knowing more of what ministry actually is would have been helpful at that time, but it all worked out. Yeah. And I'm kind of concerned, actually it brings up a concern of mine that these kids that we did not validate that felt like maybe God's calling me to medicine, or maybe God's calling me into business, or maybe God's calling me into teaching, they kind of felt like second-class citizens in the kingdom. And the truth is, they're not. Ministry can't happen without them. Mm -hmm. So I, my concern is we've, you know, a long way, not validating that call, I think has not helped us. I think it's been hurtful that we didn't. How was it then that you discovered your path forward? You didn't choose this full-time pastoral ministry, but I would suggest you did find a path forward in full-time ministry. So how did you discover that? So you know, from there, I graduate high school. I go to college, go to Oklahoma State and Stillwater. I, I get a business degree. I still don't know ultimately what I'm going to do. You know, I get married there shortly after. We make our way to Springfield, Missouri. You could say I was in essentially full-time ministry there working for men's ministries, you know, the Assemblies of God men's ministries, and, and then finding my way into their 403B department, their retirement plan department for churches. And that's where things really started to click. 
I learned some some things so you about investing, about saving, the importance of all that stuff. That was like, man, th- now this is really, really cool. And people need this. This is really valuable. And it was there that I launched coming home, basically, back to Tulsa area and finding the Edward Jones opportunity where it was, this is so cool how I get to help people with this, but I want to be able to help folks beyond just the doors of the church or that work for the assemblies in some way. So I made my way to Edward Jones and and it's pretty quickly where it's like, and I've probably shared this with you before too, Rick, I even come across at Edward Jones, an advisor who is in the process of retiring right now, actually, who was a a full-time pastor, I believe for ballpark of 20 years, he comes over to, to Edward Jones. And for him, at one point, I hear him tell the story of, he said, you know, for all the things I did as a pastor of a church and things, I feel like I do more good for people now than I ever did before. This tremendous man, leader, all of those things, honorable in every way, that really impacted me because it was one of those more validating things of like, yes, sir, that what I'm experiencing now too. So uh, that's kind of how the path worked out. Ministry has a lot of different faces. So maybe you can define for me this whole concept of ministry. How would you define it today? Obviously, we need to expand our understanding of it and recognize there may be truth to ministry is far more about lifestyle And I think where you all have fallen with what you're doing, lifestyle and influence, then perhaps we've given it credit in the past. It so much encompasses those two things. I mean, if if you're living the lifestyle of a Christian, if you're following God, if you're following what he's asked you to do, there's a what I'll call a residue of your life. And part of that residue will be ministry. For those of us that have found what that calling is, pulpit or not, you're going to be in ministry. You may or may not need the validation of, I'm fulfilling God's calling for me in in my path of ministry. That may not be you at all, but inevitably you're having an impact. And that's, uh, man, that's just a wonderful thing. So I know that you've had an opportunity to mentor some of the, some new Edward Jones uh, advisors. So what does it mean when you're mentoring someone? What does that look like? Oh, man, what's neat is that can take a variety of forms. I've had several roles within the company. And and I think what's also helpful to understand, too, with Edward Jones, especially most of the the leadership stuff you're going to do, it's done uh, through volunteerism, mostly unpaid positions that when you are assisting a new advisor in some way, shape or form, you are volunteering your time. It's so challenging beginning in the business building it. You can't rush it. It takes time. There's no replacement for that. So you're mentoring a new advisor might be helping them with their speech, helping them understand portfolios, giving them ideas for how best to to deal with a client situation, making sure they're doing the right work and encouraging them what the right work is. So often too, in starting a business, it's really that basic, just being the, the chief encouragement officer. But sometimes that's the biggest role as a mentor as well. So it it has a variety of roles. What seems to be the biggest missing pieces in those that you mentor? What are the things they need the most help with? You know, early on, it's knowing what the right work is to do and not getting caught up in the whirlwind of, of what can keep you busy. 
most of us, for example, I think this can uh, apply no matter what the organization. It's really easy to stay busy. It's really easy to find something to do. But most of the time we can boil down to one or two activities that if we'll just do those, knowing we've got to accomplish some other things too, and wrap up, be it administrative things, be it any number of other. But if we'll really focus our efforts on one or two things, those are the things that will drive us ultimately being successful. So in this business, especially, you can spend so much time Again, studying portfolios, gaining more knowledge, doing this, that, that you don't actually do the right work of, have you looked for someone else who might need help? Have you spent some time on the phone? Have you knocked on a few doors? Those kinds of things. So you know, sometimes then it's just keeping it basic for that new advisor. If they'll just keep it basic, everything else will take care of itself. That's a lot of the chief issues, especially early on for an advisor. You know, I recall, Zach, when you first started with Edward Jones, that there really was literally some knocking on doors. Is that still so much the case? I mean, we've changed. Times have changed. Society's changed. Culture's changed. Is that still so much the case, or are we knock on doors in different ways now? There's more knocking on doors different ways. And COVID, like you say, changed a lot as well. There were dynamics you, you just couldn't do. But there's been a falling back to the old fashioned knocking on doors, literally just like what I did heavily 15 years ago. And it's one of those things, you know, oftentimes you've heard things like, you know, to live the life no one else will live, you've got to be willing to do the things no one else will do. And that's some of the, you know, like for our business, especially, we, we really don't need the person that's got all the brains. We need the people that have the work ethic. You just do the work. The other thing is the learning and so many other things will take care of themselves. So, yeah, there's still some door knocking involved. So what part does influence play in your work with clients or with those that you mentor, either one? (laughs) In a way, that's almost all there is. At the end of the day, like what I do, and I've, I've said this to many times, Rick, you've probably heard me say this to you in kind of a client scenario. I learned early on. You know, there are, I think it's three things that are the most important things to any individual out there. It's their money, their kids, and their health. I think you could throw in the faith in there somewhere, but but most folks, they're they're still probably going to put those three things there up top. Especially when you, I mean, you got to trust somebody with your kids, the the school, the whatever, you got to trust them to grow up. You got to trust a doctor to give you the right medical advice, those kinds of things. And for me, Neither one of those were, was the destination, but to be able to to be that person that you trust to give you the financial advice you need to accomplish the things that are important to you, that just kind of lights me up. And so it's it's all about then giving quality advice, influencing folks to understand, especially especially in this industry, the tools of the trade are a lot of things most folks don't understand. You know, the tools being. How do stocks work? You know, how do bonds work? How do mutual funds work? This is foreign language to, to so many people, but it's it's the educational side of that then. And again, it boils down to then, how can I influence folks to do what's right for them in equipping them the best I can? And it's the ultimate feeling is when, when I know someone that trusts me to the point that, that it's like, yo, Zach, whatever you say. And it's like, that's amazing. But I always go back. You probably know folks that have done this. I always go back to thank you so much. But 
I want to explain this to you. This is your money. This is your future. You need to know this. And and, and I've had the people then roll their eyes be like, yeah, Zach, I know that about you. Okay, fine. I'll listen. And they don't listen, but they let me talk. <laughs> so, But that's so key to financial success. So it's all intertwined there, as you can see. Zach, I like it when you tell me, Rick, you don't know what you're talking about. Let me help you. <laughs> you, yeah. you well, you won't, you did that one time. That's a long story, but that was, <laughs> and the way you did it, you just wound it up and it was so, it's so great. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate your help very much. And I do trust you. Hey, if you could sum up our conversation today, Zach, with just one important thing you want us to know or to understand, think about it. What would that one thing be? Rick, I appreciate you prepping me with that question because I think I went through no less than three iterations of how to answer that because it's hard. <laughs> kind of the teacher in me is like, oh, here's a great point. Or I think I'll go to um, really what fits well. And I'm uh, not surprised at all how this worked out, but what fits into that influence idea that we've discussed just a little bit. So I would sum it up this way. I would encourage your listeners to live a life of what I'm going to call inevitable influence. What do I mean by that? So some of the people I admire most and strive to emulate myself then are those that have found that cross-section of honoring God, operating in wisdom in every area of their life, and are purposeful about living a life of joy. Now, they aren't perfect people, but they seem to embody success by any measure you can think of. And those kinds of people can't help but have a positive impact on others, whether intentionally or passively. So therefore, then they live a life of inevitable influence. So I would encourage folks, and I hope that I do that with my own life, You know, get to the point where you ever have that pulpit opportunity or not, because of who you are and what you do, you're living inevitably a life of influence. I hope you enjoyed our podcast, and I hope that you'll join us on future episodes. Please follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. Until next time, this is Rick Shields, and on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, this is my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after Him. Thanks for listening.